You know that music. Come join in and listen to the only Blade Runner podcast in existence. From in-depth discussions about characters to interviews with actors and filmmakers involved in the process, Shoulder of Orion, the Blade Runner podcast, covers a multitude of topics spanning both Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049. Another world, another time, in the age of wonder. You are listening to The Gathering Songs, The Dark Crystal Discussions. The story runs deeper than you know, and you are part of it. And what are those funny marks? This is all writing. What's writing? The words that stay. When single shines the triple sun. And here's your host, Philip Mitchell. Hello and welcome to The Gathering Songs. This is your um, Dark Crystal discussions on, on all things, of course, on the, on the Dark Crystal. I'm your host, Philip Mitchell. I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in. Um, as we sort of wrap up the the discussion on Song of the Dark Crystal, uh, which of course is the second book of the four book, a young adult novel series from J.M. Lee. Uh, you know, as of this recording, we sort of got a little bit of insight, I guess, with, with his third book, um, Tides of the Dark Crystal, which is going to come out um, in December 2018. So uh, we just had our first look at the sort of the front cover, which is sort of very exciting. So no, it's, it's, I think, you know, all things are very exciting on all things Star Crystal at the moment. And so this is our last discussion on the song of the Dark Crystal, um, which is the second book uh, from uh, J.M. Lee of the four book series, um, which is really exciting um, to wrap it all up. So I introduced the guests. So I just want to say, Nancy, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. And of course, uh, we've got uh, Peter. Uh, Peter, just want to say thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. And of course, I'll uh, before we get going with the uh, with the discussions, I know um, Dom Nardi, who's been a previous guest in, in previous episodes of the Roundtable shows. You know, he was unable to to come because of scheduling. But I just wanted to say, uh, yeah, to Dom, you know, to I just wanted to thank him on the show here just for uh, being a part of the the gathering songs for the past couple episodes. And I'm certain we'll have him back in the future um, as we get more Dark Crystal stories uh, down the track. So yeah, I mean, without further ado, uh, we'll go through um, through chapters twenty five to twenty nine, and yeah, we'll we'll start off with chapter twenty five. So this in this chapter, as we know, that sort of Naya and Emery and some of the Gelflings, you know, they were captured uh, by Skekli, the satirist Skeksi, sort of, you know, as he sort of describes himself as sort of the, the clown, sort of the clown of the Skeksis. And so, of course, uh, Skekli has taken uh, Kylan to the Grotten Sanctuary where, you know, the Gelflings are being sort of captured. And of course, you know, we, we sort of find out that basically millions of spiders are sort of taken over this sanctuary from the Grotten clan. And so Skekli, he, he took Kylan, you know, to see Naya. Naya's all trapped up and, and uh, Skekli, he's really pleased with himself. <laughs> you know, the, the fact that he, you know, was able to, to capture her, especially that's, that, you know, of course with the Skeksis, you know, she's sort of the number one target. Now, of course, you know, you got Gurgen. But, you know, at least they've got, you know, one of them at the moment. So he's, 
very pleased about that and that it's, you know, for him to capture Naya and Aunt Amory was sort of a delight for him. And I was just trying to think, because I know I think he mentions about uh, Skekra, the Conqueror, and I don't think this is a Skeksis we haven't seen in other Dark Crystal stories. I don't know if that's something we've been introduced to him. I, I don't think I remember him. Not uh, so, yeah, so I think that um, we haven't been introduced to him yet. I get the feeling he could possibly be something that shows up in one of the other books, though. Especially since he was mentioned. Yes, yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, because, yeah, I mean, he mentions about him, like, saying, you know, and who brought it to the Emperor? Uh, me, Skekli. Mm-hmm. Not the hunter, not the general, not the Skekra, the conqueror. No, it was Skekli, the, the clown, um, they said. I think it's um, it's kind of yeah. telling about um, the fact that Skekli is considered weak by the other Skeksis, and he was able to almost take out um, the, uh, the Groton clan on his own, pretty much with his plan about the spiders and all of that sort of thing. And he did almost capture them. So I think that the fact that he is considered the clown and the gesture by the other Skeksis is um, telling in and of itself. And also, I it's mentioned later how, um, you know, the, the main character basically is he feels like there's some connection with him because he's trying, because the Skeksis is trying so hard to prove himself. Kylan feels kind of a similarity because he always feels like others are underestimating him. And there might even be, even though he seems super arrogant, there might be some um, almost low self-esteem going on with the Skeksis himself. And and it's sort of really interesting because, you know, in the Dark Crystal, we, I guess, you know, we sort of think of Skeksil or the Chamberlain as sort of, a, you know, sort of a bit of a clown of, I, I guess, like with his humor, um, with his arms and ears, and, and I think the way he, you know, he speaks to that really high-pitched voice. Um, so I've always been really curious if we, you know, if in Age Resistance we actually ever get to see them two sort of team up or, you know... Mm-hmm if there would be the Laurel Hardy sort of, oh, <laughs> of Lord. Um, yeah, <laughs> well, there, he does seem similar to me to the Chamberlain too. Um, because it's just the way he, um, talks and the way he stalls them by talking to them. He seems a lot like the Chamberlain, which I thought was interesting, except for the dad jokes. He makes dad jokes and I'm just like, Oh no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the Chamberlain would come up with better material. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and so um, Kylan, um, at this point, he's actually pretending to to be um, uh, Krochik, um, the spider, um, you know, with Tavra, you know, being the spider and and sort of using that as sort of a, a disguise uh, for him to pretend that he is, um, you know, Krochik and why well, he's able to sort of, you know, get through without being caught out. And then he pretends to switch bodies uh, with um, Amri, which, you know, I guess, you know, he's thinking about, because I think at this point they were thinking about, you know, finding the, um, uh, the oh, the bellbird bone, you know, to, to spread the word to the Galflings and all that kind of stuff. And because I guess, you know, with Amri, you know, probably knowing much knowledge about the Groton Sanctuary that I think he would be more useful at this point of time to, um, you know, to do the sort of pretend to switch bodies with him and, 
and Amory sort of, you know, be able to try and find this uh, bellbird bone. So, of course, he rescues Amory and then, and of course, you know, Kylan sort of falls down <laughs> dead pretending. But then once sort of Amory sort of gets up and I think he cuts uh, one side of the bridge and then, of course, you know, Skickler, he didn't notice it at the time. But then once he, you know, uh, runs to cut uh, the ends off the, of the bridge, then, of course, you know, Naya uh, gets out. Kylan then cuts, was it the last part of the bridge? Yeah, sorry. And now Skekli, Naya and Kylan, they're all on this, you know, what's been sort of described as sort of a mushroom island um, of sorts. As we, I mean, uh, we sort of see that in the illustration from Corey Godby, which is really nice. So, you know, I still love, you know, seeing those illustrations and at least gives us like a really good idea of what, what the Groton Sanctuary looks like. Mm-hmm. And... um Basically, yeah, Amri and Tavras have now been tasked, you know, looking for a bellbird to make the furka. As, I mean, I think at this moment it was really to, you know, to scare the spiders away from the Grand Sanctuary because they've really taken over. Yeah, and so, yeah, I mean, the, yeah, a lot really did happen, in, in, you know, in that chapter. And so, I, I guess, you know, we'll, we'll get into um, chapter 26. And so, so we see, I think, well, we read, always keep saying see, but it's like, oh, no, no, we're reading it. Um, <laughs> so we read, we read with, um, uh, with, uh, with, uh, Naya and Kylan and, you know, they, they attack the Skeksis, the Skekli. Um, and then at this point, you know, we sort of, uh, get a mention, you know, Skekli, he mentions that Skekso is dying and, and, you know, telling him, oh, we just need a little bit of, a little essence to heal him, etc. Yeah. Um, again, you know, this is sort of, I think we might've discussed this, but, I think it was really interesting that sort of at this point of time that like he is starting to be a bit sick, which makes me think if even throughout the air, you know, when we, if we, if it leads up to age of resistance, if he's, uh, I'd be curious how much he's actually going to do in the show, like whether he's all going to be healed up by then and then get sick again, or if he's actually like continuously being sick, like over the years and just like slowly dying. I- I get the feeling he's not lying about that. I think the Emperor is slowly dying. and They've been using various Gelfling Essence to basically um, stave it off. Because right. even in the first book, they're acting like, you know, maybe your Essence will heal the Emperor, maybe it won't, and that sort of thing. And, you know, it, they are very backbiting, though. It's not like they really want to cure the Emperor because they want to cure the Emperor. I think in some ways it seems like they're using him almost like a guinea pig to see what happens with various Gelfling Essence and to see if it heals him and things like that because it would be, in the end, beneficial to them. Because the scientist even, you know, wanted to drink the Essence himself, and I get the feeling he does skim Essence off the Gelflings. I'm not sure about that. I just got that feeling from the overall thing and you know um i i think that that's uh very interesting as well i i do have a question uh peter do you you think it's odd that she uppercutted him instead of stabbing him with the dagger yes i heard about the stab versus fists but i mean visual so it might be maybe a Right then, she was even thinking of the fact it would kill his other half off. But in the heat of the moment, I just would have imagined she would have uh, tried to stab him with a dagger. Well, but, I'm going with Drenchens usually use their fist first. Yeah, I guess that's true. 
Yeah. It just seemed like that would have been the choice that would have done the most damage. And, and maybe it was because it would have been... Um, I don't think it's because it would be too violent, per se. I mean, yeah. and it probably one hit with a dagger prob- probably wouldn't kill him anyway, even if it was in a you know spot like his neck. I mean, he's got feathers and things that would be make his skin a little tougher, but I just right. thought that was odd to me. Because, well, I mean, yeah. I, it was satisfying that she punched him in the jaw, but at the same time, I'm like... Yeah. Well, and it could also... I mean, there are many ways of looking at it. It could also be, please just shut up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. not... <laughs> okay. Don't tell me any bad jokes. Yeah, after the bad joke, it was very satisfying. <laughs> that was yeah. Very valid right there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um... I, 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 yeah, and so I mean, you know, this is at this um, point where um, Emery he actually manages to find um, a bellbird bone, uh, you know, successfully, you know, within the sanctuary, and, and it's sort of a bit of you know he passes it on to Naya, and then Naya bring you know gives it to to Kyland. Yeah, I mean, and then Kyland sort of um, sort of goes for it because I think Emery, I think he did try to um, to blow, you know, with with you know with the bellbird bone um to make it a tone and i think it was sort of unsuccessful and so i think when he when i got to kylan and sort of made you know this uh, like a make makes noise um it actually affected the spiders and 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 of course um uh, skekley as well and and at this point i think uh skekley uh had naya and you know i think i think he had naya by the throat um essentially you know grabbed her uh by the throat you know raising her up and you know, willing to kill her, and then we sort of see um, that the because I think that was in one of the illustrations again. I think that we see in um, uh, yeah, chapter twenty six. So yeah, and so and then um, and then we find out that um, the two mystics uh, arrive, Irva and Early, which is sort of a nice return for Irva uh, because the last time we saw him. Uh, was of course in Shadows of the Dark Crystal when uh, Kylan and Naya met. Irva for the first time and you know they were having tar and and all that so that was sort of good to to see Irva back I think um it's interesting the way things uh fall into place in this particular in the ending and I think it's interesting too to note that the Uru are actually helping them because you know they they help them subtly along the way but everyone is saying how it has to be the Gelfling that actually are the ones that, you know, decide their own future and everything. But at the same time, it's like they make friends with the Uru that they meet and then they end up showing up and helping them at some point. Um, it's like, uh, Peter, I actually do have another question. Does it feel like things are just kind of falling into place for them? Almost like this is uh, Kylan's destiny. So, because, like, you know, they find the perfect bone when they said that, you know, these bones should have been brittle and decayed. He still happens to have one and things like that. It's almost as though someone is helping him along. And I wonder if it's Ronip or, or if it's uh, Thra itself or well, do, do you have any ideas about that? Yes, yes. And this is, you know, the old phrase, fate works in mysterious ways. So the fact, yeah, fate is often timing. So being in the right place at the right time and being the right people. So mm-hmm. in this case, 
it's all come together. You know, the the bone is still there. Um, how that got left and nothing else. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's really pushing destiny right there. Um, but timing that you have for the Uru showing up and they show up to be a good support team. Uh, it's mm-hmm. important to note that they're not doing anything to the Skeksis, mm-hmm. the spiders. They're simply stopping them. There, there's a big difference. And so the Gelflings are still left with the, what are you going to do? Like, what action are you going to take? Are you just going to walk away? Are you going to attack the Skeksis? Um, once he's, you know, paralyzed, Skeksis paralyzed, spiders are driven away. So they're offering them choice, which is really what Destiny is. Destiny is, here's a choice that's being presented to you. You know, yeah. it has a really good one, but you still have a choice. They're not being railroaded mm-hmm. to anything, which is True. a really story. And if Kylan hadn't actually affixed Tavra into that spider, yes. he wouldn't have been able to do the whole uh, manipulation thing where the Skeksis thought he was the spider, and then he's like, oh, let me jump bodies, you know, and that kind of thing to get to that point, which I thought was interesting too. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. It's sort of, yeah, interesting, yeah, it- uh, yeah with that, that... um. Yeah, without, yeah, without the sort of you know Tavra being a spider, that yeah, the plan probably would not have worked. I think it would have been a struggle for Colin to try and think of you know what he could do to save his friends. You know, if they didn't you know have yeah, you know, with, with Tavra as the spider um, as part of the journey. Yeah, and, and and also I guess you know with you know it's like you know they they want to hurt the Skeksis, but then you know they sort of know about that if they, you know, hurt the Skeksis and it's going to hurt the Mystics. And I guess there's a, you know, a bit of predicament there, you know, what, you know, so thinking of other choices of, of what to do sort of thing in this situation. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I find actually Tavra is more effective as a spider <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> I, I agree yeah. with you there. <laughs> no, she's certainly, um, yeah. She certainly played her part. Um, yeah. Very well. Yeah. As a spider. Yeah. Which is, which is kind of weird to think of that, but yeah. <laughs> Is it? Is it is. I like her better as a spider. Um, <laughs> I feel bad about that. I just never liked Tavra, and as a spider, she became more likable to me. <laughs> she used to bug you, and now yeah. she's a bug. Padoon Ching. Now you're making dad jokes. <laughs> Best kind. I have this uh, this little note next to the whole thing where he's making the joke, not punny, skexy scum. <laughs> not punny at all <laughs> and so um i'm just trying to think so as we go on you know from chapter 27 um so the mystics over and early they sort of you know overall just let they tell skeckly to to let go of naya and then this is and this is sort of a interesting point about i think skeckly um he mentions about skekong sort of making servants um so it's actually sort of we sort of get a bit of an interesting sort of you know hints about with the Gotham from the sound of the things based on what, you know, uh, we read, you know, that the spy, the spiders were only a pro- prologue and I'm just trying to find sort of, I was just trying to find the, um, if you like, just wait, the Skeksis hissed. If you think the tiny spider servants are wicked, they are just the prologue, just a test. You wait to see what Skekung is making big servants, mindless, heartless servants. And he goes on for a bit more, but yeah, I was really excited to read yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because I don't know. I just always thought that the um, 
sort of the introduced in the Garth and would be introduced sort of way further down the track. Cause I always sort of, I know I always had a thought about with age resistance, like, you know, whether like they could be something that they bring the Garth and like sort of towards the, the later half of, of the, of the show. So I'm, I'm really curious how, um, you know, we're bringing them back. So, I mean, that's sort of exciting, you know, even to us fans, you know, because, I mean, that's the thing with these books because, you know, there'll be a lot of people that are reading this for the first time and not have seen the movie. But I know for us, it's like, we know what's, what's going to come. And it's like, yeah, we're getting the Gotham there um, into place. So, yeah, just, just one of the many, um, I guess, chess pieces for, for the Skeksis um, to come. I'm wondering if they actually, at this point... They haven't had the prophecy yet, so I'm thinking that they're getting the Gotham to maybe capture most, like kill some of them and capture them. It reminded me of the whole passage with the carnivorous tree where they were saying, you know, to harvest the gulfling. So they might, they might be actually um, getting the Gotham to take the next step, which is basically to thin their numbers and then, ca- you know, capture some, thin the numbers and control them more easily. That's well, my I- guess. Wondered always was, you know, if uh, the Skeksis are always after the essence of Gelflings, why would they kill so many of them? Like, yeah. that's a big question that needs to be answered. I prophecy. think it was the prophecy. I really think that when they, when they um, found out about the prophecy, which said that eventually the Gelfling would um, destroy the Skeksis, or at least that's how they interpreted it, that basically that's when they started trying to kill them all off. They didn't want that threat to them. But I think at this point they're getting the Gartham because, like I said, they want to harvest them and uh, probably not kill all of them, thin their numbers, make them more able to be controlled. And I think that's what he's alluding to at this point. Because, yeah, because I know, of course, in the Dark Crystal, um, you know, with the, the Gartham, Actually, I mean, we actually don't see them. I mean, we sort of probably see them in, in that dream fasting of them probably, you know, wiping out the Galfling. But, I mean, with the Podling Village, they, they mainly just captured um, a lot of the Podlings. So I think that's probably something that we're probably going to see more of them just sort of capturing a lot of Galflings potentially. And then probably once the prophecy's into place, then it's like it's not worth the risk. Let's We've got to wipe them all out. And um, ho- hopefully we, you know... We live long enough to, you know, to get to the next conjunction to to cheat death, once again, sort of thing. So, so yeah, I mean, so overall, like you know, they they've pretty much captured captured uh, Skekli, and um, he's basically pretty much locked up in the caves. And I think um, at this point, I think Early, who is I think his counterpart, he decides to stay in the caves uh, with him, watching over him. And and I think Mordra Argot, uh, she says that you know she'll watch over the Skeksis as well. So it's going to be really interesting where, you know, if, if Skekli actually does, you know, end up getting, you know, if he does escape somehow, whether, you know, multiple Skeksis sort of return to the caves and um, tries to get him back. Um, so I think that's going to be really interesting to see if, if that ever um, happens or, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just, I just don't think that this would be the last that we're going to see of, um, or read. Yeah, of, of Skekli. I don't know, what are your thoughts? Do you reckon he, he's going to be stuck in the caves for good or do you think he'll come back, you know, or rescued or, or play a part later on? Um, hard to say. I mean, with Early there, keeping him as kind of his jailer, that makes it very 
key. But um, remember that uh, they did mention, uh, Kylan, I think, did mention that, you know, the Skeksi would yes, come to yeah. rescue him if they just uh, left him on there. So. And. And so, yeah, Marja Olgott, you know, she mentioned that, you know, she'll watch over the Skeksis or over Skekli. And, um, and of course, you know, they, they all leave um, to get out of the Grotten Caves now that they have this uh, bellbird. And so as we sort of get to chapter 28, uh, when they're, you know, sort of about to head off, you know, Urba sort of hints that, you know, that, we'll, that they'll we'll meet again. And for him, you know, to, you know, to see... You know, if um, if they ever encounter the other uh, mystics or the other Uru to to meet at the valley for him, so so which is kind of cool. So I mean, I, I'm hoping that yeah, we'll definitely see Urva again um, as the archer, and so um, we're sort of at this point where um, I think uh, Kylan he's you know tr- sort of doing the finishing touches with the fur car to sort of I think to shape it all out and into the you know into that instrument. And yeah, I think this is a point where it's sort of the idea of sort of, you know, to using the the, the Furka to binding the, the message sort of into a dream fast kind of thing. So that's sort of really interesting. Um, and, you know, to, to use sort of uh, a dream fasting to, to send a message because, of course, I think he, I think he explains it that uh, because he's sort of, he sort of has third hand into the story because I mean the first hand was with Gurdjian and Ryan they sort of have the first hand account of what happened with um, you know the Skeksis and, and the you know draining essence from Galfling um, and all that kind of stuff and so like Kylan sort of yeah he's pretty much like the third or fourth person to sort of you know know about the information so yeah that, that was one thing I just sort of find um, interesting and I think he mentions about, you know, that they use a symbol that people can touch um, to get the messages um, across. So they, they get back to, the, you know, they, they actually go back to get their belongings um, when they, you know, left it before they, you know, swam through, um, you know, to, to the Grotten Sanctuary. And then I think this was a mention that they mentioned about what was written on that note. Um, I think on chapter 28 yeah um so sort of like the sort of that hinting of the love story sort of thing that kylan sort of had for tavra um yeah <laughs> i did suspect that was what it was i just didn't know i don't think it actually said when he um had written it but i suspected that was what it was initially and i i do think it's funny she still she kind of acknowledges it later, but she still has this whole cold kind of attitude and you can't really tell how she's reacting because she's a spider, you know, you can't see if she's blushing or whatever. <laughs> so, he's he's very happy to change the subject. <laughs> Love show, it was very mild. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It's- it sounded almost like a friendship note, not it really does. a love note, yeah. but I think it was supposed to kind of be a love note <laughs> because of his reaction to it as being totally embarrassed. Amory being very, um, I, I got the feeling Amory was very mischievous, so he was quite yeah. happy to read that note. <laughs> out yeah. Out. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was really interesting. Yeah, I think 
it was probably more embarrassed, I guess, because, you know, the whole time Tyrone was actually, you know, Krejcik, you know, wasn't really herself. Um, so I think that's probably the extra embarrassment um, <laughs> with that, I guess. Yeah. You know, as, as we sort of wrap up, um, you know, in, in chapter 29, um, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, it, it is a pretty short chapter, um, but overall, like we sort of get um, Kylan as he, you know, begins to play um, the Furka beside a tree and, um, or to, to the tree in a way, which sort of, you know, that, so that the, the message sort of connects to the leaves, I think, you know, with that symbol that, you know, that, that I mentioned in the previous chapter that uh, that people can, you know, touch to get the message sort of in that dream fasting kind of way. Um, so, yeah, it connects to the leaves and then it disconnects from the, the tree, like as the leaves sort of fly off. And as they believe that, you know, the message, you know, will be sent to the Gelfling, that hopefully uh, many others will receive uh, the message. So, um, and, and sort of as they... And then, yeah, I mean, that's sort of, the, you know, part where they sort of, you know, as they now sort of continue on with their journey, like, the, you know, they've, this part of the journey is sort of complete, which, I mean, was a bit of a detour initially, you know, to, again, you know, to go see Augra, to figure out what they can do to send word out, um, you know, to lots of Gelflings about the Skeksis, right, you know, and this sort of became, you know, a good alternative, um, you know, to try and try it out, and it did you know, it kind of worked. I wonder if it was one of the ancient trees. Because I thought it was interesting that the blossoms just kind of went with the wind to so many places in Thra. It's not said. I just got that feeling that maybe maybe it might have been one of the ancient trees, but I'm still not sure. I just thought I'd bring that up because I thought that was... Um, it felt like the tree itself was kind of significant as a carrier of the message. Yeah. And it does mention as well that it's not all over Thra, so soon all the Gelfling of the Scarith region would know what the Skeksis had done. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's it's reaching as many Gelfling as they can all at once while still keeping it secret from the Skeksis. So, mm-hmm. you know, not an instant magic solution, which I found gratifying. You know, it's... You know, and I'm not just going to visit everybody individually one by one in their dreams or pass a, a message along by hand. You know, we're just going to blanket this one region with symbols uh, in a way that works according to the rules of Thra and also helped Thra, which was, you know, a yeah. nice synergy. And there. I mean, like, I mean, they, they mm-hmm. probably could not have done that and just gone straight to Hurrah. But I think, I mean, for them to do this, at least sort of get the, a lot of the Gelflings talking so that, you know, hopefully by the time they arrive at Hurrah, that they've been talking about this or, you know, they sort of hear about that. And then once they, you know, if we see, you know, Nay and Kylan and Tavra arrive to Harar and sort of telling, you know, the story firsthand, whether, you know, they'll more likely be able to believe in the story. But I mean, that's the thing, you know, they, they said, they said, you know, um, you know, do you, I think Amory says, you know, do you think it will work? And I think, uh, you know, Kylan didn't know the answer to that question, but Tavra did, and Tavra says it it had it has already worked so far as we can control it. Uh, what people do with the information once they receive it will be up to them. All that remains now is to hope my mother may be able to do may be able to do something more once we bring the truth to her. And so, yeah, I mean, they sort of you know head to the as they as they sort of continue their journey, heading to the Black River to then. 
hopefully, you know, reach to a uh, hurrah. Um, <laughs> I really hope that Kylan, this book has not written Kylan out of the story. No. I know that sounds weird, but it's one of those things where um, in this book, he discovers his purpose and he fulfills. It's like it feels almost like he's wrapped up and fulfilled his part in uh, spreading this message. I just got that feeling at the end. I'm like, oh, gosh, I hope I feel that there's probably going to be a character, a main character fatality in the next book. I'm not sure. I just get that impression. And um, I like how like the the theme of this book for seems to be there in actually in chapter 27, it says purpose did not come lightly. Yes, it I feels was, like, yeah, yeah, it spells out the theme of the book. Yes. <laughs> it, it does seem to belong, this book belongs to Kylan. The first book was Naya's book. So the mm-hmm. third, it's interesting, you know, what character is going to step up and be the focus and have the purpose for that book? I find that interesting because it certainly doesn't seem like it's going to be anybody so yeah, far. Yeah, like I think mm-hmm. recently uh, we got a, a look at the front cover of um, Tides of the Dark Crystal. I, I don't know if you've seen it, but I know on the front cover um, it actually had Amri, you know, holding the Silverling sword. And I think based on sort of the, the the descriptions that we've been, you know, getting, that it seems like that the that Tides is going to be Amri's uh, uh, point of view. Yeah, so I think that'll be so. really interesting. Yeah, I get yeah. that feeling. And I think too. in the background, I think there was a Skeksis that was. Um, I think a lot of people are thinking that might be a Skeksar. Uh, I think Skeksar the Marina. So, which was which was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, tides of tides of the dark crystal makes sense, and I do know that J.M. Lee likes uh, swashbuckling yeah. <laughs> tales. So, <laughs> I hope he gets to uh, write something like that in the next one. <laughs> That's going to be if you have a semi-blind Groton out in the middle of the mm. bright ocean. Yeah, no, it's going to be really <laughs> interesting. And um, and I think the cover, it was a really interesting use of colors. I mean, it uses a splash of blue in the middle, which sort of, I mean, represents probably, you know, the sea. Um, but a bit of orange as well, which I guess would represent sort of whether they go through um, the desert, um, you know, in, in the world of Thra, uh, you know, to reach to Harar or, or whatnot. So, um, so yeah. Oh, it would be very interesting if they went through the Crystal Desert. I would love because that to. might actually have the same sort of theme. Because the, the oh, I'm forgetting the name of the clan. Hang on one second. Sorry. Uh, there's a clan of the Elfling that use um, these bone ships and sail through a tide oh. of actual crystal. Uh-huh. Um, Dowson, yeah, uh, Dowson, yeah. the Dowson clan. Mm-hmm. Oh man, that would be very yeah. interesting. Yeah, and that might be. Yeah, hard exactly. To say. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I mean, you know, and and also, I mean, one, one thing I will I'll, I'll read up um, uh, Dom Nadi who you know couldn't appear on the show, um, but he did had some notes that I thought I might as well you know share with with the listeners and to you on 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 the show, and so. Um, so I'll, I'll read this, um, which I think it'd be all right. So he wrote, for the record, I'll add my two cents here. I like the ending of the book, but also felt that Jamie Lee is getting uh, per- per- perilously uh, close to a forced happy ending with this book. Uh, thought the ending of the first book worked well because the Galflings just barely escape from the Skeksis. However, here, the Galflings managed to outwit and trap one of the Skeksis. 
that seems like too major a victory. Um, there aren't that many Skeksis, and if the Gelplings can do it now, what stops them from taking out all the Skeksis later? So I don't know what, what your thoughts about whether, you know, this sort of, you know, the ending of this book was a bit, was it too much of a victory? Or do you think that, you know, it's sort of the one little victory that they'll get, but, you know. Uh, I was just going to say, I don't feel like it's too much of a victory because of the fact that he pretty much is considered the clown and the jester of the Skeksis. And he, like I said, very nearly killed them and very nearly um, destroyed the um, the Groton clan. So if one of the weakest ones can do that, it makes me think that um, it's... It's a victory, and it's a good victory, but they still don't know if the Skeksis are going to come and release him or if any other sort of bad thing could happen. It's definitely a good ending that they got the message across, but I didn't feel like it was too happy in Roses. I mean, Tavra's still a, a spider, things did go wrong, and they, but they did manage to, in the end get the message out which is the point but i have a bad feeling the next couple of books or the next book itself is going to be very um a lot more character death and a lot darker because the gartham coming is pretty much the uh start of the end of the gelfling race i agree with you nancy that that's a very good way of putting it um i would draw the analogy and i don't know if it's too close, but with the the Lord of the Rings, with the Fellowship of the Rings, when the um, when the party, the initial party, not the Fellowship, but just you know the companions make it to Rivendell, they had just defeated the Ringwraiths uh, barely, and Frodo was very badly injured. So it was a victory, mm -hmm. but it was high cost. So that was a taste to say, yes, we can do it but we really haven't figured out how to do it without costing us a great deal. And so through this example, um, we see at the end the group, you know, starting to make that journey towards bigger challenge after this one, which only came about because they all worked together. They had the help of others. They had the help of the Uru. And, you know, fate and destiny conspired to have things in place for them that they figured out how to use. So there were definitely a big series mm -hmm. of changes and it's a buildup, you know, can we do this? Well, yeah, but boy, we're going to have to figure out how to do it better next time. If we're going to have any chance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I certainly, yeah, I'm certainly hoping. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, it sort of ended with a bit of hope, um, which I mean, uh, you know, I sort of like um, that. Yeah. I mean, even though it was sort of yeah, a bit of a victory, but I think, you know, it's still, you know, it's just the first of many steps to come. Um, and um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, managed to defeat the court jester. Yay! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and and I guess you know, uh, I I think as you wrote as well, um, Dom, uh, he also you know he recognizes that um, that it's only books two or four, two or four, so we're only halfway through the story. So, it, you know, he he wrote, uh, it's possible that this ending is a high point and things will go downhill for downhill from here. Um, J.M. Lee seems like a good enough writer to know all this to, and to continue the ser series in a way that doesn't seem too optimistic. Um, as I said on the last roundtable, uh, I appreciate that Tavra's escape from the spider came at a cost. 
Uh, I think as long as future vi- victories also come at a great cost, I'll be, satis- I'll be satisfied that the books have the tone right. And I certainly have a feeling that, yeah, I think things are just going to get much darker. And I think, as you said, Nancy, you know, uh, the, yeah, the you know potential fatalities, um, you know, with 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 with, with some of the Galfling characters. Um, so it's just yeah, it's just going to be really interesting to see, um, you know, how this whole story is going to wrap up, um, especially as it's sort of you know uh, leading towards um, the Age of Resistance. Um, so we've got a lot to look forward to. So overall, I mean, I might as well just wrap it up um, with you know sort of final thoughts on Song of the Dark Crystal. Um, as for myself, like I really enjoyed, um, this story, um, you know, I know it was, you know, from Kylan's, uh, point of view, I think he was a character that, I mean, I guess for myself as a reader that I sort of, that it was a story that I, um, you know, just related to, to him. I liked, he sort of got his, um, uh, moment to, to shine. I know it's, it's sort of been an interesting sort of direction that, that each book is from someone's, you know, point of view. So of course in Shadows, we had Naya's point of view and this one is, Carlin and the third's going to be Amory's but I think yeah I think Jamie Lee I think he did a great job of um you know of telling the story and I think as you probably described um Peter that it was pretty you know it was a nice you know smooth read you know that I think things really picked up and um it was just a more more interesting journey I guess because I mean I guess you know in the first book they were sort of stuck in the forest with a good part of the book so it was nice to see sort of the journey sort of you know expanded on with uh, Song of the Dark Crystal. So yeah, Peter, I'll, I'll be curious to know yeah, just your final thoughts on Song of the Dark Crystal. Uh, I found it satisfying uh, in many ways. Um, overall, I you know just a great story. And it progressed well with surprises, which I always like, oh, well, what are they going to do now? Oh, well, that was mm-hmm. interesting. Ooh, yeah, that, that's an interesting <laughs> choice. And boy, that's not going to work really well for them. So... You tell a story mm-hmm. in a way, it makes the readers grip the book closer and flip those pages faster because they want to know right there with the characters what's going on. What are they going to do? And the world that we're given uh, to view, this past world of Thra, through J.M. Lee's writing, is one that is vibrant and full of all these what-ifs. And we're introduced to it um, much as Naya is. You know, she hasn't been outside the swamps. So, you know, we've got Kylan who, you know, is not, <laughs> I hate to say it, but world-wise. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we have these innocent characters and they're having to make world-changing decisions. And that mm-hmm. makes gripping reading. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what, a Groton has to look at in the third book, <laughs> who hasn't been out for days. <laughs> you know, the world was shrinking down to one viewpoint, and now all of a sudden he's got to go out in the bright sunlight. So mm-hmm. very satisfied and very eager yeah, for that. I mean, it has, yeah, and what about yeah. yourself, Aunt Nancy? Yeah. Um, I really, um, the something that about this book seems uh, wonderful to me is it was more fun reading it the second ta- time around than the first. It definitely has enough elements in it that reading it the second time, you catch things that you didn't the first, because there was a lot that was revealed, which I really liked, um, that you didn't know. Like the whole thing about the, um, I had actually forgotten what the letter was that he threw into the fire, things like that. And I was like, oh yeah, that is, that's really interesting. And um, I loved 
getting to see the Groton clan because that was one of the clans I really liked the description of, and I was excited to actually see what their culture was like and the way he tied that into the Vapra. And um, just there were a lot of really interesting um, descriptions of things, the way he compared clans, even with like the Furka and how they crafted it and how like, you know, the uh, Sifa clan, the ones that are ocean-dwelling, would craft it out of shells, and they had the tones of the ocean and things like that, and the way the wings of different clans functioned differently. Like, the Vapra could actually fly, but um, the Drenchen couldn't, but they were meant to glide and swim. And I was like, he put, you could just tell he put a, a lot of effort into creating this world and making everything different, which I really enjoyed about this book. Yeah, it just um yeah, it just really expanded more. Yeah, with, with all the Galfling clans and um yeah, it was cool to see yeah with the the Groton clan, um especially as they're you know the smallest clan of all, um the Galflings. Um, so it's it's gonna be really fascinating to see how they come into place. You know, with with future stories, um yeah, with with all things Dark Crystal. So, um, yeah, overall, I think we'll, we'll wrap it up. So I just wanted to say, uh, Peter and Nancy, thank you so much for being part of this. Um, the gathering songs for us with Song of the Dark Crystal and, um, and, and Nancy, I'll just, uh, you know, for any of the listeners who are interested, you know, knowing, you know, how, um, how can the people find you and find more about your, your work and, and all that? Yeah. Um, I have a website, which is nancygray.net. And my blog address is nancygray.blogspot.com. Uh, my Facebook is writer Nancy Gray. And those are typically the best ways to contact me. And I've got my uh, Blood Rain series is complete with Blood Rain, Blood uh, Moon, and Blood God. And I'm coming up with a new Spine Chiller series. So please, if you want to look into that, um, please check those sites for me. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so no, thank you so much, Nancy. Um, and Peter, again, thank you so much for being on the show. And how can the listeners find out more about uh, your, your work? Thanks, Philip. It's been a pleasure. And uh, if people want to look me up, uh, they can just go to my website. It's dwimsaga.com. That's D-W-I-I-M-Saga, S-A-G-A.com. And the contact information on there is easiest. And I update that the 13th of every month. Excellent. And, um, and of course, I'll uh, put all those links in the show notes. Uh, so no, which is, I mean, this has been a great discussion with Song of the Dark Crystal. And I think, you know, we've got lots to look forward to, not only with Tides of the Dark Crystal, um, but also, I mean, yeah, with Age of Resistance and the comics that have been coming out. Um, so definitely got a yeah, lot, lot of discussions uh, to come for sure with all things um, on The Gathering Song. So thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks for having us again. Yes, yeah, indeed. No, no, it's been awesome, yeah. You've already taken too long, Delfling. Hurry! At last, the crystal calls. It is time. Time to return to the castle. The crystal calls! To the crystal chamber! If you'd like to contact the show, you can do so at darkcrystalpodcast at gmail.com. 
To find us on Facebook, you can do so at facebook.com forward slash Dark Crystal Podcast. We're also on Instagram at instagram.com forward slash Dark Crystal Podcast. You can tweet at us at Dark Crystal Pod. Also, if you get a chance to review the show, whether on iTunes or Facebook, that'll be fantastic as well, as that'll boost the rankings. Thank you all so much, and come back next month for more The Gathering Songs. Blade Runner podcast in existence. From in-depth discussions about characters to interviews with actors and filmmakers involved in the process, Shoulder of Orion, the Blade Runner podcast, covers a multitude of topics spanning both Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049.